Book Eight, Chapter Nine of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Nine. A Scuffle eugenia failed not to observe her appointment the next morning which was devoted to elegiac poetry a taste so similar operated imperceptibly upon mrs burlington who detained her till she was compelled to return to prepare for a great ball at the public rooms the profound deliberations of miss margland how to exhibit her fair pupil having finished like most deliberations upon such subjects by doing that which is done by everybody else upon the same occasion sir hugh had given directions to miss margland to clear his three nieces equally of all expenses relative to public places camilla therefore being entitled to a ticket and having brought with her whatever was unspoilt of her tunbridge apparel thought this the most seasonable opportunity she could take for again seeing edgar who in their present delicate situation would no longer probably think it right to inquire for her at a stranger's mrs burlington had not proposed appearing in public till she had formed her own party but an irrepressible curiosity to see indiana induced her to accompany camilla with no other attendant than lord valhurst mrs mitten sought vainly to be of the party mrs burlington though permitting her stay in her house and treating her with constant civility had no idea of including her in her own society which she aimed to have always distinguished by either rank talents or admirers and camilla who now felt her integrity involved in her economy was firm against every hint for assisting her with a ticket lord valhurst who alone of the fashionable sojourners had yet discovered the arrival of mrs burlington was highly gratified by this opportunity of attending two such fair creatures in public mrs burlington as usual was the last to enter the room for she never began the duties of the toilet till after tea-time two such youthful beauties were not likely to pass without observation mrs burlington already no longer new to it had alternately the air of receiving it with the most winning modesty or of not noticing she received it at all for though but a few months since she had scarcely been even seen by twenty persons and even of those had never met a fixed eye without a blush the feelings are so often the mere concomitants of the habits that she could now already know herself the principal object of a whole assembly without any sensation or timidity or appearance of confusion to be bold was not in her nature which was soft and amiable but admiration is a dangerous assaulter of diffidence and familiarity makes almost any distinction met unmoved camilla was too completely engrossed by her heart to think of her appearance lord valorst from his time of life seemed to be their father though his odulating air as little suited that character as his inclination he scarce knew upon which most to lavish his compliments or to regale his eyes and turned half expiring with ecstasy from the soft charms of his kinswoman with something he thought resembling animation 
to the more quickening influence of her bright-eyed companion but the effect produced upon the company at large by the radiant beauty of indiana who had entered some time was still more striking than any immediate powers from all the bewitching graces of mrs burlington and all the intelligent loveliness of camilla her faultless face her perfect form raised wonder in one sex and overpowered envy in the other the men looked at her as at something almost too celestial for their devoirs the women even the most charming amongst them saw themselves distanced from all pretensions to rivalry she was followed but not approached gazed at as if a statue and inquired after rather as a prodigy than a mortal this awful homage spread not however to her party the watchful but disdainful eyes of miss margland obtained for herself even with usury all the haughty contempt they bestowed upon others eugenia was pronounced to be a foil brought merely in ridicule and dr orkborn whom miss margland though detesting forced into the set in preference to being without a man to hand them from the carriage and to call it for them at night had a look so forlorn and distressed while obliged to parade with them up and down the room that he seemed rather a prisoner than an esquire and more to require a guardian to prevent his escaping himself than to serve for one in securing his young charges from any attack miss margland argued nothing short of half a score proposals of marriage the next day from the evident brilliancy of this first opening into life of her beautiful pupil whose own eyes while they dazzled all others sought eagerly those of melmont which they meant to vanquish if not annihilate the first care of miss margland was to make herself and her young ladies known to the master of the ceremonies indiana needed not that precaution to be immediately the choice of the most elegant man in the room yet she was piqued not delighted and miss margland felt still more irritated that he proved to be only a baronet though a nobleman at the same time had presented himself to eugenia it is true the peer was ruined but his title was unimpaired and though the fortune of the baronet like his person was in its prime indiana thought herself degraded by his hand since the partner of her cousin was of superior rank eugenia insensible to this honour looked only for melmond not like indiana splendidly to see and kill but silently to view and venerate melmond however was not there he knew his little command over his passion in presence of its object he knew too that the expense of public places was not beyond the propriety of his income and virtuously devoted his evening to his sick aunt edgar had waited impatiently the entrance of camilla his momentary sight of lord valhurst at the bathing-room did not bring him to his remembrance in his present more showy apparel and he was gratified to see only an old beau in her immediate suit he did not deem it proper as they were now circumstanced to ask her to dance but he quietly approached and bowed to her and addressed some civil inquiries to mrs burlington the west winds had waited for her at the door and the father had immediately made her give her hand to henry to join the dancers that's a charming girl cried old mr westwin when she was gone a very charming girl i promise you 
I have taken a prodigious liking to her, and so has Hull. Revived by this open speech, which made him hope there was no serious design, Edgar smiled upon the old gentleman, who had addressed it to the whole remaining party, and said, You have not known that young lady long, I believe, sir? No, sir, but a little while, but that I don't mind. A long while and a short while is all one, when I like a person, for I don't think how many years they've got over their heads since first I saw them, but how many good things they've got on the inside their hearts to make me want to see them again. Her uncle's the dearest friend I have in the world, and when I go from this place I shall make him a visit, for I'm sure of a welcome. But he has never seen my hull. However, that good girl will be sure to speak a kind word for him. I know, for she thinks very well of him. She told me herself I might be proud of my son. I can't say, but I've loved the girl ever since for it. Edgar was so much pleased with the perfectly natural character of this old gentleman, that, though alarmed at his intended call upon the favour of Sir Hugh, through the influence of Camilla for Henry, he would yet have remained in a society had he not been driven from it by the junction of young Linmer, whose shallow insolence he thought insupportable. Mrs. Burlington, who declined dancing, had arrived so late that when Henry led back Camilla, the company was summoned to the tea-table. She was languishing for an introduction to Indiana, the absence of Melmont obviating all present objection to their meeting. She therefore gave Camilla the welcome task to propose that the two parties should unite. Many years had elapsed since Miss Margland had received so sensible a gratification, and in the coalition which took place, she displayed more of civility in a few minutes than she had exerted during the whole period of her Yorkshire and Cleves residence. Notwithstanding all she had heard of her charms, Mrs. Burlington still saw with surprise and admiration the exquisite face and form of the chosen of her brother, whom she now so sincerely bewailed that, had her own wealth been personal or transferable, she would not have hesitated in sharing it with him, to aid his better success. Lord Valhurst adhered tenaciously to his kinswoman and the three gentlemen who had danced the last dances with indiana eugenia and camilla asserted the privilege of attending their partners at the tea-table in a few minutes linmer coming up to them with well have you got anything here one can touch lent his hand on the edge and his whole body over the table to take a view at his ease of its contents suppose there was nothing sir said old westbin look round and see what you could want really sir said miss margland between whom and camilla linmer had squeezed himself a place you don't use much ceremony having taken some tea he found it intolerable and said he must have a glass of champagne la brother cried indiana if you bring any wine i can't bear to stay Miss Margland said the same, but he whistled and looked round him without answering. Mrs. Burlington, who, though she had thought his uncommonly fine person an excuse for his intrusion, thought nothing could excuse this ill-breeding, proposed they should leave the tea-table and walk. "'Sit still, ladies,' said Mr. Westwin, "'and drink your tea in peace.' Then, turning to Linmere, "'I wonder,' he cried, 
you ain't ashamed of yourself if you were a son of mine i'll tell you what i'd lock you up i'd serve you as i did when i carried you over to leipzig eight years ago i always hated pert boys i can't fancy them Linmere, affecting not to hear him though inwardly firing called violently after a waiter and in mere futile vengeance not only gave an order for champagne but demanded some stilton cheese cheese exclaimed miss margland if you order any cheese i can't so much as stay in the room think what a nauseous smell it will make the man answered they had no stilton cheese in the house but the very best of every other sort Linmere, who had only given this command to show his defiance of control seized with equal avidity the opportunity to abuse the waiter affirming he belonged to the worst served hotel in christendom the man walked off in dudgeon and mr westwin losing his anger in his astonishment at this effrontery said and pray mr linmere what do you pretend to know of stilton cheese do they make it at leipzig did you ever so much as taste it in your life oh yes excellent excellentissimo i can eat no other eat no other it's well my hull don't say the same i'd churn him to a cheese himself if he did and pray mr linmere be so good as to let me know how you got it there ways and means sir ways and means why did you not send across the sea for it a travel man sir thinks no more of what you call across the sea than you that live always over your own fireside think of stepping across a kennel well sir well said the old gentleman now very much piqued i can't say but i feel some concern for my old friend to have his money dosed about at such a rantipool rate a boy to be sending over out of germany into england for stilton cheese i wish it had been hal with all my heart i promise you i'd given him enough of it if the least little thought of the kind was but once to have got in his head i'd have taken my best oaken stick and have done him the good office to have helped it out for him and have made him thank me after too i hate daintiness especially in boys i have no great patience with it only more incensed linmere called aloud for his champagne the waiter civilly told him it was not usual to bring wine during tea but he persisted and mr westwin who saw the ladies all rising authoritatively told the waiter to mind no such directions linmere who had entered the ballroom in his riding-dress raised a switch at the man which he durst not raise at mr westwin and protested in a threatening attitude he would lay it across his shoulders if he obeyed not the man justly provoked thought himself authorized to snatch it from him clermont resisted a fierce scuffle ensued and though henry by immediate intervention could have parted them mr westwin insisted there should be no interference saying if anybody's helped let it be the waiter for he is here to do his duty he don't come only to behave unmannerly for his own pleasure and if i see him hard run it's odds but i lend him my own fist to write him i like fair play the female party in very serious alarm at this unpleasant scene rose to hurry away lord valhurst was ambitious to suffice as guardian to both his fair charges but henry when prohibited from stopping the fray 
offered his services to camilla who could not refuse them and mrs burlington active and impatient flew on foremost with more speed than his lordship could follow or even keep in sight indiana was handed out by her new adorer the young baronet and eugenia was assisted by her new assailer the young nobleman edgar who had hurried to camilla at the first tumult was stung to the heart to see who handled her away and forcing a passage followed till henry the envied henry deposited her in the carriage of mrs burlington the confusion in the room meanwhile was not likely soon to decrease for old mr westwind delighted by this mortifying chastisement to clermont would permit neither mediation nor assistance on his side saying with great glee it will do him a great deal of good my poor old friend will bless me for it this is a better lesson than he got in all leipzig let him feel that a man's a man and not take it into his head a person's to stand still to be switched when he's doing his duty according to his calling switching a man is a bad thing i can't say i like it a gentleman should always use good words and then a poor man's proud to serve him or if he's insolent for nothing he may trance him and welcome i have no objection miss margland meanwhile had not been remiss in what she esteemed a most capital feminine accomplishment screaming though in its exercise she had failed of any success since while her voice called remark her countenance repelled its effect yet as she saw that not one lady of the group retreated unattended she thought it a disgrace to seem the only female who from internal courage or external neglect should retire alone she therefore called upon dr orkborn conjuring in a shrill and pathetic voice meant more for all who surrounded than for himself that he would protect her the doctor who had kept his place in defiance of all sort of inconvenience either to himself or to others and who with some curiosity was viewing the combat which he was mentally comparing with certain pugilistic games of old was now for the first time in the evening receiving some little entertainment and therefore composedly answered i have a very good place here ma'am and i would rather not quit it till this scene is over so you won't come then doctor cried she modulating into a soft whine the voice which rage not terror rendered tremulous dr orkborn who was anything rather than loquacious having given one answer said no more miss margland appealed to all present upon the indecorum of a lady's being kept to witness such unbecoming violence and upon the unheard-of inattention of the doctor but a short certainly to be sure ma'am or it's very shocking indeed with a hasty decampment from her neighbourhood was all of sympathy she procured the entrance at length of the master of the house stopped the affray by calling off the waiter clermont then though wishing to extirpate old westwind from the earth and ready to eat his own flesh with fury at the double disgrace he endured effected a loud halloo as if he had been contending for his amusement and protesting bob the waiter was a fine fellow went off with great apparent satisfaction now then at least sir cried miss margland imperiously to the doctor who still ruminating upon the late contest kept his seat i suppose you'll condescend to take care of me to the coach 
these modern clothes are very much in the way said the doctor gravely and give a bad effect to attitudes he rose however but not knowing what to take care of a lady to a coach meant stood resolutely still till she was forced in desperation to walk on alone he then slowly followed keeping many paces behind notwithstanding her continually looking back and when with a heavy sigh at her hard fate she got unassisted into the carriage where her young ladies were waiting he tranquilly mounted after her tolerably reconciled to the loss of his evening by some new annotations it had suggested for his work relative to the games of antiquity End of chapter nine read by Lars Rolander